0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Hello from the future. This is Brandon, the host and creator of Monster 8 the Pilot. You're getting this odd introduction due to the fact that Brandon used to have music on the podcast, and that day finally came, and I'm starting to get episodes struck down, so I'm going through and getting all the music remo- removed, so you're getting this fun introduction to go over any time I had music playing at the beginning of the show, um, if I'm not able to cut around it. Like, sometimes I talk over the music, so that's why this is here. Uh... Yeah, so if there are references to songs or I seem to be talking about song, I'm like, hey, I've got these three songs later. You know, look in the description of what they were. They will be cut out. I am working on it. It will take some time. Hopefully I don't get the ban while working on this stuff because a lot of these episodes are in the archives. And getting them out of the archives takes like 12 hours. But other than that, enjoy the show. Like I said, it's, uh, you know, I kind of fucked up by not knowing... Uh but not understanding what I was reading when uh saying that Spotify anchor loud music on the podcast. I misunderstood what that meant. Anyways, yeah, it sucks, but we all get through it together. Enjoy the episode. It's the best episode ever. This is, whatever episode this is on, it's the best episode ever. So listen, like, share, subscribe, support, all the fun stuff. Thank you. Hello, friends and neighbors. Welcome to Monster Street the Pilot, the podcast, hosted by me, Brandon. It is Sunday, so it is time for three songs of the week and the week that was, the ramblings, whatever's going on in the world of Brandon. We all know the deal by now. Opening song of the night. The Hold Steady. With Stay Positive, the opening track off Almost Kill Me, the first the uh, uh, first Hold Steady song. And one of the great Hold Steady songs. Oh, they're terrific stuff from them. Always terrific stuff from them. More about them later in the show. Cause you know how it goes, man. You know we whatever. Who knows? (laughs) Like I said, three songs of the week. Thank you for tuning in. If you've liked what you've heard, spread the good word. All the fun stuff. Spotify, Stitcher, Anchor, Amazon, Radio Public, Google, Apple and Spotify, Anchor the sponsor of the video, so or the sponsor of the show. So thank you so much for that. Having a good time, I think. I think we're having a good week, having a good time, figuring some good shit out. You never know, man. I love that goddamn song so much. <laughs> Kicks ass. Um I'll talk about the hold steady here in a bit. Uh what is going on in the world of Brandon? Man, I'm I, i you know, going to update the Lost Rewatch. I haven't uh, talked about it for a couple weeks. Plant. Um, <laughs> I do have to correct myself. The last time I was talking, I, just, I realized I said that a collision was about Saeed. It's not. It's about Anna Lucia. I'm not sure why I made that mistake. I, I'm a fucking Lost nerd, and I made that goddamn mistake. How dare I? No, but it's been a pretty good week. I think I've been enjoying myself, you know. I'm just hanging out, watching some cool shit, doing some cool shit. Uh, got a new record on the way. I got my Hibernian stuff. I went to Coles and I got shoes. Brandon's planning about planning on going back to the gym. Whole buff Brandon back in action, bro. It's going to be a good time. Let's see if I can follow through on that. I bought shoes. I bought the shoes to do it because that's what was holding me back. That's what it was keeping me from going to the gym was that I didn't have the proper shoes to go to the gym. I only have cool shoes, not like tennis shoes, like actual uh, trainers or whatever they say across the way. Ah. Good times, man. I am. Uh, I actually have to back up a little bit to uh throw a happy flip couple happy birthdays out there for uh, my brother Ryan and his wife Lori. Same day, same birthday, just crazy shit, man, serendipity. Uh, Then also my niece Brittany, happy birthday to that. Then my old buddy Chris, I didn't say it on his birthday, I did an episode on his birthday, didn't say a goddamn word. Maybe that's your fault, man, I blame you. (laughs) I'm a funny guy, I'm a pretty funny fucking guy. Oh, what is going on in the world, Brandon? I haven't even looked at my goddamn notes. I took a whole bunch of fucking notes, and now I don't even remember what they say. Uh, I guess it's early in the show. What is it? Uh, what do I usually do at the beginning? <clears throat> I like how I ask. Like, you're going to answer, even though, like, this is not live. Like, I don't know. Who knows? I don't know, man. It is technically Saturday night, but we'll have this out on Sunday. It's going to be a good time. I have been thinking about that lately, though, is that... I can't let references or, like, I I don't know, I have to over-explain things. Like, sometimes I will make a cool reference here on the show to, like, a song or a movie or something I really like. But then I have to tell you that it's a really cool reference. And then I think it kills the moment, man. I just can't let it lie and, like, let you believe I'm cool. I gotta let you know that, hey, yeah, I didn't come up with that. I should, though, man. I don't know. I don't know. Why am I going there? And then uh, I'm going to talk a little bit more about my therapy session. Last week, the one before Lauren came up and did the show, which still, once again, if you've not heard the LL Cool K episode, it is a wonderful episode of podcasting. Just a wonderful chat between two really cool dudes doing really cool things while their other really cool friend sits here and plays around with volume knobs. You know, it was a good time. I don't have any updates or any exciting news on what the project me and Justin are working on just yet. Still working up to that. Still figuring out the ins and outs and what we're going to do. by that, I just haven't asked what's going on, (laughs) oh, why is my computer being dumb, there we go, yeah, so, cool thing I've been working on this week, I guess, is that I've been playing more piano lately, I have not played the piano for a while, and uh, yeah, for some reason, I don't know, I just got into a kick. I said I've been watching Midnight Mass, and I think it's the little the piano interludes of um Near My God to thee, that old like hymns like psalm, you know, which is a beautiful song. And know if other people who haven't watched Midnight Mass, it's the song that the Titanic uh, band plays as the ship is sinking. You know? That kind of bullshit story. <laughs> that bullshit urban legend. I really doubt they're like, hey, we're all gonna die. So let's get together and play some good music. <laughs> doubt it. I don't know. I just doubt that it was an actual thing. No, but I've been learning that song. I've also learned another lost song. Um, oh. It's not a shape of things to come. There's no place like home. That's a little different. It makes my fingers do weird things. But yeah. I got sad because I thought I was going to have to give away the piano. I got it for free. Mike Mount Sterling, uh, me, Jake, my sister, uh, my brother, Nate. And then I think Dave came over and helped out, get it moved inside and stuff. It was a pretty good time. Got it in here. I still have to tune the fucking bastard. <laughs> I also have a keyboard. Like, half of it's in tune. Like, once you get into, like, the deeper bass notes, you can really hear it. Not, like, definitely not in tune. Uh, but I thought I was going to have to give it away because, I'm, like, with me writing more and stuff and then working on the podcast, like, I have everything set up. The soundboard, my computer, um, all that stuff is set up on the piano. Um, which has, like, you know, the little place for, like, sheet music, and then it has, like, the stand-up top where you, you can, you know, go in and work on stuff on the piano. Um, but now that I'm writing more stuff, I'm realizing how uncomfortable I have the setup here because like I have to have my like shoulders up and like a kind of an unnaturally high position so I can't really sit here long and do stuff so I gotta sit on the sofa. And I feel like sitting on the sofa working computer kind of this lends itself to getting sidetracked or getting off track and not getting as much done as I feel like I should. So I decided to buy a desk, like a little desk here. It's got like a little lift top so I can sit here for, you know, long hours or whatever I'm doing and working on stuff. Get that done. And then um I was like, "Man, it could it fit over here by the air conditioner." And I was like, mm, "Nah, not with the chair and the sex appeal sofa." And I'm not getting rid of sex appeal sofa. Goddamn, no chance. No chance that's happening. Um so I decided, I was like, oh, "I'm going to have to I'm going to have to give away the piano, man. There's no way I can keep it." And then it dawned on me, like I've got like a uh, I used I had it for one episode, I think on the video of where I had to keep all the old liquor bottles from the pub. On top of like uh, the top part of my desk that I got when I was like 15. And I was like, oh man, maybe like I realized where that's sitting could fit the piano. So I'm moving it around. So I got to do a lot of work there. Moving this piano is going to be a bitch. It's going to be a pain in the buttocks. Because the wheels on it are messed up. So it's not going to roll. <laughs> so I'm going to have to figure that out. I may have to get the you know more hands to make less work from a few of my buddies up here. Uh so yeah, I get that moved, then I get that desk in. I bought a end table and I bought a chair to replace the chair. Same color, it's just a better made chair, man. IKEA stuff sucks. Sorry. Um it just sits like cardboard. It's never was never comfortable for long hours. And, you know, if I'm going to sit there for like 10 minutes, it's fine, but if I'm going to sit there for like 2 hours, it's it's dog shit. So I'm replacing it with a better better made chair, better quality chair. I'm pretty excited about this. Go me a good time. Go me a great time in the world of Brandon for a long time, hopefully. Oh shit! What is it? It is Sunday, man. I'm kind of tired. I think what, we fall we fall back tonight, so I get an extra hour of sleep. I guess I don't know. Maybe I should try to wake up early, like at six o'clock in the morning, and go to the gym. Like I said, the return of Buff Brandon is happening, and by that I mean the debut of Buff Brandon, because Brandon's never been buff. He's never been that guy. Never really did it. like, in high school, I would just get, like, super, I'd get pretty goddamn fat, um, from, (laughs) like, the end of baseball season to the beginning of baseball season, from, like, so, like, summer, like, uh, so, like, from, like, July to late February, mid-February, when baseball season started up, like, I would just get so goddamn big, (laughs) and then I would have to work out for baseball, and I'd start losing weight like crazy, because, you know, I don't, because, like, yeah, just not eating as much and actually being active, yeah. So, like, that'd be the closest I ever get, but didn't really. Um, no, I, I don't know. I just, I've been one, I went to the gym a couple years ago, and then I got COVID, and then I never went back for some goddamn reason. I was enjoying myself, too. It was not like I was like, ugh, I gotta go to the gym. Like, you know, felt good. Felt good to get active. But for some reason, I can't get myself to go back. I think that's what we're working on we're going, that's what I'm going to do, and we'll talk about it now, so I have to, like, I have it in the public space, so I got to go back to the gym, so then I'll have to start going to the gym, man, I don't even do, like, a lot of shit, you know, get on the goddamn bike for a while, get on the, uh, the old treadmill, you know, get a rowing machine, bro, the elliptical, other gym terms, you know, buff Brandon, I like that. We'll start doing a podcast every day of the week, you know. We have Monster Eat the Pie, the the baking show that Lauren termed, that piece of garbage. I hate his guts for saying that. He's brilliant. He's just a brilliant guy. Um Then we'll have Buff Brandon where I go over to the gym. <laughs> I don't know. That should be fun. Coming up with seven seven different shows. Oh, I don't barely have time to do one right now. Jesus. Oh, I haven't really gotten anything, have I? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I really have no idea what I've talked about so far. It is going to be a great episode, let me tell you. It's going to be the best episode, maybe, of all time. Uh, so let's get into the Lost Street watch I watched three episodes, and as soon as I started watching that first one, I realized the big mistake I made, because I think the last time I watched, like, eight episodes, I really should have made it nine, because jumping back in on fire and water is such a dumb mistake. Oh, my God, this episode. Ugh. I didn't like it then. I have never liked it on a rewatch. I fucking despise it now. It is such a bad episode of television. I think the biggest issue is that it. It. I. I don't know. I'm. Let me see. I actually took notes about things. I'm getting better at taking notes about stuff. Like, it's so melodramatic. It's totally so pathetic in the episode. He's just pathetic. Like you know, Claire basically breaks up with him, and he just can't get up with it. He can't get over it. So he steals the baby twice. Once by accident because he's sleepwalking. Um, Characters are acting completely different than they're supposed to be. Like, ugh, God, it's so frustrating. It's such a hard episode to watch. Like, all the off-island stuff is redundant. We get it. Charlie did drugs. (laughs) Like, we did it. We we understand Charlie was a drug addict and a musician. That's all his backstory was there. And it's just another one. It has a little bit more about family, so it ties into the on-island stuff, but it doesn't make it any better um, super melodramatic, let's see, I had other notes, it just, I gave it a 4 out of 10, like 4 out of 10, it was, it was bad, it was really bad, like I said, I know it's not the worst episode because it's not the goddamn tattoo episode, but I think when I watched the tattoo episode, I stormed off after it was over, (laughs) like I literally just got up, didn't say a fucking word and just walked out of the room, like that was such a waste of goddamn time and so stupid. Oh, uh, let's see here, man. I mean, the like I said, it was cringy, the whole on island stuff. Like I guess like just Charlie, just ugh, it was bad. Um, yeah. Then let's see, like, and a big part of it was that no, nothing ever led to anything. You know, like like because they dropped the Aaron. Being so important to everything because they made it seem like through like the first season, maybe in season and a half, that Aaron was like going to be this really important figure for the island. And they, you know, end up just getting dropped and never going anywhere. And so it makes this episode even worse in retrospect because it's all about baptizing him and saving him. It's like some form of idea. If they capitalize on that, it wouldn't have been the episode's still not going to be great, but it'd been better in retrospect. Like, okay, so at least it led to something. It leads to nothing, you know. Eventually, Charlie and Claire get back together. Eventually, you know, like, it, it, all of this got went around and she goes and baptizes him anyway, and it's just like, this episode was stupid. It was just really dumb. <laughs> it was, God, it was frustrating as hell watching it. I did like the kid they got to play, young Dominic Monaghan, young Charlie. He looked a lot like him. I'm not sure if it was related to him or not. Um... Yeah, like, everything's forgotten about in this episode. Like I said, like, they all get back together. Everything's fine. Everybody likes Charlie again. It's not like Charlie becomes an outcast and it really leads to some fucked up shit or some crazy, you know, character arc. It's like, all gets forgiven and is fine. Um, I don't know. Not good. It got an extra point, though, because of, I remember from the Lost Board, there was a guy who would post there. I can't, I don't know if I ever knew his real life name it was this this is not the way which is something echo says in this episode because charlie talks to echo about baptism or something like that it says something like echo believes it's about baptism or something being the priest <laughs> and uh, charlie steals the baby at the end he's like tell him echo and he's just like this is not the way you know with his accent and some guy had that as his uh, username on imdb and it cracked me up like hearing him say that um, I think we used to post that as well as, like, a meme, like, anytime somebody would say something, like, have a really bad theory or say something really stupid, like, somebody would post, this is not the way. Uh, <laughs> man, I remember, I, I miss the old Lost Boards. They were the good times. The birth of the internet for me, really, was the IMDB Lost Board, and then eventually the Barracks. Uh, it's good times. Um, and then, like, one of the, like, I was talking a little bit about how characters kind of act in the opposite way that what they're supposed to. Like, you know, Locke is all about destiny, and the island's here to test us, and, you know, oh, you know, everything's happening for a reason. You know, everything that happens here is happening because the island wants us to test us, or wants to see what we're made of, or whatever. And he just goes ahead and forgets all about that, because Charlie has the Virgin Mary statues with the drugs, and Charlie's like, oh, like this is a test. This is a test, Locke. You know, whatever. And like, Locke just kind of brushes off like he's an idiot, or he's just like, you're crazy. And it's like, what the, uh, the, of all the people who are going to think he's crazy, you think Locke is the one who understands it the most? Yeah, he can still be pissed off at him, but at the same time, it's like you you would understand this more than anybody. That the island's here to test people, and that's why a random plane from Nigeria crash-landed here with fucking heroin all over it for the guy who's trying to kick heroin, you know what I mean? I don't know, it's just so weird, and Locke is kind of weirdly slimy, trying to, like, swoop in on Claire, and then that never goes anywhere. They don't start like a love triangle, like, he just kind of pops in, and then it just goes away. It's just, uh, I don't fucking know. Like, I, I guess Locke's not really slimy, it's just He's per, you kind of get the perception of him being slimy because you're getting so much of it from Charlie's point of view, and Charlie's being so fucking weird. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, the only good part of the episode outside of this is not the way was, uh, um, Hurley and Libby. Like, Hurley's got the crush on Libby and Sawyer, and him or I can't remember what they're doing. But you know, Sawyer yells, "Hey, Libby!" and walks into his tent, so she has to look over at Hurley and they wave at each other. That's like the that's really about only the good part of it. Oh, man. Like, it it, 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 it was stupid. And then a little bit in here as well was that... uh, What am I thinking of? Oh, that's the X episode, yeah. And then the weird thing this show always had, because, you know, it, it happened over years, but the show only takes place over, like, a three-month period for the first three seasons, like, you know, they get, like, day 100 when they're, like, it's, like, 108 or something like that when they're saved, I can't remember anymore, um, should be about 108, I think that's because it works with the numbers, um, uh, like, Charlie and Claire are, like, super in love, and I'm like, you guys have known each other for, like, a month, and the same thing happened with Saeed and, like, Shannon, I think Saeed tells Shannon he loves her or whatever, I'm like, you guys have had, like two dates. Like, this is kind of ridiculous, but at the same time, I kind of get it at the same time. They've known each—like, we've been with them for over a year, but in the show, if you actually look at the context of the show, it's like, you guys know each other for like a month. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> and what what do you even know about her? <laughs> no, but it was so goddamn bad. <laughs> like, it was so frustrating getting through that episode. And then the next episode was a long con, which was way better. Way better. Um, I gave it like eight and a half, like— the Sawyer stuff on Rewatch is almost as good as the Jack stuff. Like, uh, the Jack stuff's still top-notch and I think it's better overall, but the Sawyer stuff's really good. I really like the long con. Like, they kind of start up like this mini... They don't really do like a whole love square because they did, like the love triangle, Jack, Kate, and Sawyer for seasons, but they kind of hint at maybe doing like a square with Anna Lucia entering. And they kind of... They use it definitely to its advantage to play Kate off of uh, jealousy and stuff like that of Anna Lucia and Jack spending time together and her kind of... Um, guilt in the way for fucking up the going to get Michael plan which early season Kate was just there to fuck up so many plans she screws so many of them up it's kind of hysterical and goofy um I just remember but at the same time I remember how it ended Because, you know, I still, I like Charlie a lot. I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that Dominic Monaghan was in Lord of the Rings. So that's why I love Charlie so much. And kind of being pissy with Locke because he, like, beats the shit out of Charlie the episode before. Which kind of deservedly so. Like, especially looking at it, I was like, yeah, he definitely deserved to get his ass kicked. And, um, but in the next episode you have the whole long con where Sawyer's getting the guns. And, oh, it's brilliant. It's so fucking brilliant and great. Um... But it revealed at the end that Charlie helped him do it by, like, tagging Locke, and he just did it just just to get back at Locke. I remember feeling so satisfied for Charlie in that in moment, and I'm like, good for you, man, get back at that fucker. And then, like, you know, kind of, so you're kind of calling that out, it's like, you know, everybody just follows Jack and Locke, and it's like, motherfuckers, like, I'm still, I, I don't know, I, I really enjoyed it. And Kim Dickens shows up in the flashbacks, which is fucking great, I mean... The more you see of Kim Dickens, the better. She's a fantastic actress. She was in, like, Deadwood. I guess she was in that Walking Dead spinoff. I mean, she's been in a lot of different things. I remember her in The Invisible Man? Yeah, with Kevin Bacon from, like, 99. That movie was weird. I watched that not too long ago. It was a very odd movie. Oh, let's see. And it has one of the great lines. I can't remember if Sawyer, I think, said it before, but... uh. In his flashback, the guy says it to him, Tiger don't change his stripes. I love saying that to people from time to time, you know, whenever they say go change, I'm like, hey, man, Tiger don't change his stripes. <laughs> I fucking love it. Uh, I'd give it, like, 8.5 out of 10. It was a really good episode. Especially a nice little cleanser after the shit of Fire and Water, man. And then I'm, like, watching that episode, and there's a moment where um, Hurley's trying to get Saeed out of a funk. And they end up uh, doing, like, this whole thing with... Um, getting, like, a radio started, and I kind of, like, kind of, I'm like, Said had nothing to do for the first half of season two, literally just, all he had was, like, Shannon dying in his arms, that was it, and then, like, nothing else, so it was, like, ugh, I was like, man, he really had jack shit to do, and then, of course, the next episode, I guess he has, like, the episode with Anna Lucy, I guess, you know, we're a little bit there, but, like, that's it, he had, like, two episodes of work, and everything else, he was just very, 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 you know, in the background. Excuse me. Not be won't be as bad as season six, where he completely disappears. Or basically, season five and six, he disappears bad. But um, the next episode was one of them, which is the introduction of Henry Gale. Which oh, it was really good too. I think it was uh, not quite as good as um season uh, Long Con. So I think it was like a slight, like a little bit, maybe like eight, maybe eight and a half on like you know. Around the same kind of score, but oh man, like you get to learn kind of how Saeed learned to become an interrogator. You get Clancy Goddamn Brown, who's one of my favorite character actors. He was like the not the warden. He was the uh, the sadistic guard in Shawshank. He's been in so many fucking things over the years. Just wonderful voice, great presence. Like oh, he's. Fantastic, and I love that he shows up. He shows up later in the season, too, as well. And then, um, also, I forgot, in the long con, I forgot that uh, in the diner scene, Kate's mom's there. Like So Sawyer meets Kate's mom. It's one of those cool connection things with Lost. And then in this, this episode, Saeed meets Kate's dad, or the guy she thought was her dad for most of her life. Um, what was his name? I can't remember the name anymore. So it was pretty cool. I always, I forgot some of the connections that came up in the show. But it was pretty neat yet you get to learn how Saeed becomes an interrogator. Um, the Henry Gale stuff, like, oh, it was pretty cool. I remember just seeing that time this guy found and just having that question in your head of, um, is he actually one of them or is he telling the truth? dead set that he's lying and it's it's really fun. I uh, like the ending of him, like, you know, looking at Charlie. It's like, I remember that they hung you from a tree. It's like, um, and like, you know, everybody seems to have forgotten that. You know, it, it, was, pretty, it was pretty cool bringing Charlie kind of into it and, I don't know, getting him it kinda sets him on his little redemption arc, I guess, but it's not expanded upon enough to save fucking fire and water from being an absolute shit show. <laughs> so three episodes of lost there. Two good. One really good, I think, in the long con. And then, um definitely a good setup episode with one of them for what's to come. I'm trying to think what's next. I think it's Maternity Leave, which is the Claire episode. Um Let's see. Would it be Lockdown? I think it'd be Lockdown. No, 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 no. It wouldn't be Lockdown. I think it's the Sun episode. What's it fucking called? And then it might be SOS. I think Lockdown's a little bit later in the season. SOS is the Rose and Bernard episode. Why do I know so much shit about this? Why do I know the the order so de- decently? I'd have to look it up, but I, I'm like 90% sure. The next three episodes are Claire, then Sun, and then it's uh, Rose and Bernard I guess it'd be Rose mostly. Huh, I'd have to look into that. I think I'm I'm like ninety percent sure I'm right. Uh so I'm so fucking cool. Anyway, that's the lost like rewatch update. Three episodes. Like I said, two good. One I would consider borderline great, maybe even great, maybe borderline really great. And then one just absolute travesty of an episode. <laughs> I remember like I said, um uh, so in this that came out I'd been 14, 15. And, like, you know, I wasn't super critical of things at the time, like, you know, music or TV shows, so I wasn't like, oh, this is garbage, the writing is blah, blah, blah. You know, you know, like, I liked almost everything I watched or heard, you know, I didn't have, like, a critical thought of stuff, really, back then. And I remember even watching that get to the end, I'm like, I don't think I like that very much. I think that was actually really bad. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, but, yeah, I don't know. In the end, it didn't matter at all, and I think that's actually the worst part on a rewatch. And it's also, like, Charlie's last episode bef- uh, like, Centric episode until Greatest Hits, which is at the end of Season 3. Uh, it's crazy. That's a great episode. Can't wait to get to that one. Uh, and then I, um, I'm slowly rewatching Midnight Mask. I'm taking much more time with it than I usually. Usually I'd watch, like, two or, th- I'd watch, like, three episodes. It was seven episodes, so I think I'd watch three or four, then I'd watch the final three. Um, I'm taking a little bit more time. I think I watched it first I did it where I did, like, the first three or first four, and I was like, oh, fuck, I need to go back. Nah, like, this is not how we're watching it. And I just have been watching it, like, one at a time. Jesus, man. Like, truly, Jesus. Uh, (laughs) What a fucking show. What a fucking series. It is just outstanding. Like, the tone, the setting, the feeling, the characters, the acting, the writing. Just insane. Insane level. And really, I'm... I think um, episode four, uh, they have that, you know, what happens when we die scene. It's the two extended monologues back to back. And, oh, man, it's so great. So great. And, like, it's not like... The show's not a damning examination of religion. Like, you know, bad things happen because people um, use faith to justify their shitty actions. Like, there's multiple scenes where Bev, the kind of crazy, like... Uh, zealot almost like every time something happens that doesn't align with what she wants, she has like the scripture to back it up, like you know, and it's people using scriptures to, you know, justify their shit. Um, there's so many. Everybody has a chance to shine from at every point, you know. You have the great scene where after the priest heals the uh paralyzed girl, Lisa, and she goes to the uh, town drunk. Uh, Joe, for, uh, the guy he accidentally shot her, like, in a hunting accident, or no, really he was shooting shooting a shoot, and paralyzed her, and she goes and confronts him, she forgives him, and, oh, shit, what, an, what a scene. What a scene. The acting is absolutely phenomenal. It's, oh, it's one of the best scenes, but I, I think there's definitely the, I think the What Happens When We Die scene is the best scene. It's, it's the absolute crux of the entire show, and it's, it's, it's pretty fucking perfect. Um, Stupid Mike! It's, oh, it's just so, such, such, such wonderfulness. is such wonderfulness. Um, let's see. Oh, did I do it? I forgot to do it. Whatever. I mean, I took notes, but I put them on a different computer than the computer I'm working on here. <laughs> so, whatever. Uh, with that scene in the boat, I think it's, see, that episode, f- episode five. It's when, uh... I'm spoiling, spoilers, spoilers, I've already spoiled a lot of it, but spoilers, 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 like crazy, uh, Riley's been turned, basically, into a vampire, which is never said, never explained on that much, you know, they just kind of let it be, you know what I mean, which is, I like seeing that more often, where this is just how it is, you don't need fucking somebody to take five minutes every time to explain how it all works, like, you know, it just is, it just is, like, is this thing an actual biblical angel? Maybe. Or is it just a vampire? Is it something that's been misconstrued over time? Or is it somebody? Is there just a vampire that somebody, you know, a long time ago saw and mistook for an angel? You know, don't know. They never really explain it. They don't explain why it sees lights and stuff like that, and like, in the sky and how it's, the vibrancy and all that. It just exists. It's awesome. Um, but what was I saying? Oh, he's in the boat with uh, Aaron, uh, the great Kate Siegel. Um... And it's basically, you know, he takes her out on the boat and they give you that quick moment of whether he's going to attack her on the boat. And then, like, you realize he's not, that he's basically brought out there to make her believe what he just told her. And he tells her everything, which is a fantastic link later scene of him, you know, demanding Riley, telling him the truth. And it has that great moment where, you know, he talks about accidentally killing uh, the Priest accidentally talks about killing a guy and like you know not having any remorse, not feeling any guilt for it, and he's asking Riley how that makes him feel, and he's like and I think Riley's like you know that's fucked up or you know blah, blah blah, he's like no tell me the truth, and he eventually snaps, he's like I'm being 100 percent honest with you, you need to be honest with me, how does that make you feel, and like you see the build up and uh, what's his name Zach Guilford? I think that's the actor's name, the build up in his face when he finally just says jealous, and oh what a fucking scene, oh great great episode, probably the best episode. Great scene. Wait, well, you no, know, he tells her he tells Aaron on the boat. And she's like, you know, so you brought me out here, I have nowhere to go. Then he's like, no, I brought you out here because I have nowhere to go. And then, oh, dude, it's tear-inducing. It's fucking tear-inducing. You know, he tells her he loves her, always has, blah, blah, blah. And then the sun rises and his like, eyes close. And he opens them and he sees the girl that he accidentally killed in a, dr- like, a drunk driving accident. And in that moment, he finally has forgiveness, and he finally has redemption. And, oh, Jesus. As somebody who just eats that shit up, or chases those same themes and ideals in his own life a lot, like to see somebody who has that, cro- basically that cross the bear, uh, you know, there we go, Catholicism, even more about the show. <laughs> and finally having that moment where he can actually forgive himself is, oh, dude, dude tears, <laughs> it's, it's such a great scene, and then it cuts into the super fucked up ending of Aaron really watching him roast alive, <laughs> kind of cracks me up at the same time, but God, just having, having that scene, uh, the girl reaching out his hand, rightly taking the hand and standing up, and it's just, oh, it, it's, it's beautiful, it's absolute beautiful, got two episodes left, but yeah, I th- yeah, just. Oh, man. What a fucking show it was, man. I'm so glad. I think that's the only thing uh, Flanagan's ever made that's not been based on a book. That was like 100% all his idea and something like a passion project he's tried for years to make. So, I hope he has more shit like that because it's just so fucking beautiful. And then, now, let's transition to things that were not beautiful. Uh... My friend Haley was going to have a party a couple weeks ago. And she decided the movie we were going to watch was uh, this really this movie from 2002, which I thought I liked back then. But then I realized I don't think I ever actually watched it. I think I wanted to watch it. And I thought like, and I heard it was good. But I don't think I ever actually watched it. Because I'm watching the whole thing. I'm like, I don't remember any of this. And maybe it's just because it actually sucked. It was a horrible fucking movie. It was Cabin Fever from like 2002. That Eli Roth movie. It was... St- just stupid. Like, it was... It was a guy who's not smart enough to, like, use references in a, like, intelligent way. It was just a guy who just wants to beat you over the head with the fact that he's making references to movies. Like, you got the fucking kid yelling pancake and doing, like, ninja moves and then biting somebody. It's fucking stupid. Like, it's just so out of place. Um, even for 2002, some of the languages, like, oh, they said that. Um... You got Boy Meets, uh, sh- oh shit, Ryder Strong, Sean from Boy Meets World, being really fucking creepy at some points. Like he's supposed to be the guy we root for, but he's also super, super creepy in other points. You're like, what, what the fuck? And then I feel like there's scenes missing throughout the fucking movie. Like the ending is like, w- w- what? And then like, you know, because he's like in the pond, he's in the lake or something. The whole thing's about like this skin eating disease. It's, it's, it's so fucking bad. And there were so many movies in that era, like 2002 to 2008, um, Fever, I guess would be a little bit out of it, I mean, at the same time, it's still kind of the same vein, though the other one, like, this one does play a little bit more to comedic, like, sensibilities, like, there's a little bit more stuff to kind of laugh at, where the other ones have nothing to laugh at, they're just, they're just grotesque. I'm talking about, like, the torture porn movies from the mid-2000s, like, Saw 1 was really good as a film. At least what I remember from watching it like 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Uh but the other ones like hostile. anything after Saw 1 and all that, I, like Saw 2 through 15 or how many fucking stupid movies they made. The hostile movies, there's a whole bunch in that like era that's just like torture they were just torture porn. That's all it was. It wasn't like nothing was smart, nothing was clever. It was just god awful movies. That was gore fests and just Especially Hostel. Hostel was just a garbage film. It, it's disgust. It's literally a disgusting film. It that's all it is. It's not scary. There's nothing scary about it. Like, oh, these kids can take it. Ugh, it's just a uh, fuck it. I don't even want to talk about that stupid movie. And then, like I said, Saw one was fine, but the other ones are just like elaborate ways to kill people. Like people just sitting. I don't know. I don't get it. That whole era, like, ruined a lot of horror films for me. That's I think that's why I'm not, like, super, super into horror stuff. I have so many friends who, like, sit there and just watch horror movies all the time. They're the best. And it's like, I don't get it. I think a lot of it has to do with that era that I grew up in. From that, like, the hostiles Saul and Saw and... Is The Descent one of them? I feel like that's the one of them. Then there's... It's just... I don't know. There's just no intelligence behind it. It's just all... You know, it's like those 80s slasher movies without the comedic part of it. Like, when you watch, like, Friday the 13th or Nightmare on Elm Street, there's, like, funny moments about that. <laughs> like, you watch and you laugh at certain things, not because, like, they have aged horribly, but, like, some of the dialogue's kind of funny. The way certain things happen. Um, all these people are bad, like, kind of shitty people, and they kind of deserve what happens to them, except for the one virgin who has to survive because that was the rules. <laughs> And then obviously Scream came along. Scream was so much fun. I watched uh, all those movies a couple years ago and they definitely progressively got worse. It was like, one was really good. Two and three were at best. Like, I think especially the third one. Third one started getting like, okay, we get it. It's meta. The fourth one wasn't bad in like 2011. I haven't watched a new one yet. Hopefully it's all right. Uh, Nah, but then having... Those movies come out in the mid two thousands. Just like, ugh. It's just yeah, they're just gross films. They were bad. And then uh, the only thing I did like about Cabin Fever was um, there's one guy he was in Detroit Rock City, James DeBello. Um, it's just this mega douchebag, mega douchebag. Like his hat says F U on it. Like it doesn't say it doesn't say fuck you. It just has the letters F U on it. And then I talked about this on the podcast. A couple months ago, about the memory I have of like people counting down the days till the Olsen twins were like of age until they turned like eighteen, like it being like a public thing and people talking about it all the time. The, the James DeBella's character is wearing a shirt that says "Ripe" on that date that they turned eighteen, and I'm like, "Oh my fucking god!" <laughs> he made shirts about it. How fucking weird is that, man? Oh so odd, <laughs> that that was a fucking thing, you know, these, from the time they were, I don't even know, I don't even know what age that probably fucking, I don't even, I, I don't want to know what age that all started at for them, like, Jesus, uh, oh, God, it makes me sick, but yeah, he ends up being the smartest character in the whole fucking movie, you got this, like, homeless hermit guy coming up, and he's, like, puking blood or whatever, you know, just gross shit. And he's like, no, you know, we're not letting him inside. He, like, the guy's infected with something, would get infected. Like, he's being like the intelligent one, even though he's a super douchebag. And he's constantly like, no, we can't do that. This girl's sick. He's like, you need to stay. You need to quarantine. And it's like, why is the dumbass, the smart guy here? I don't know. I don't know. Eli like, Roth was not talented at all, in my opinion. He liked movies. He definitely liked horror movies and that stuff. But I don't know. It was, like I said, it was just he makes all these references that are so on the goddamn nose and it's just uh, and like I said then there's so much stupid stuff in it that it's just it, it was not fun to watch I don't I'm not sure if Haley had seen it in a long time or something and thought it like maybe watched it thought it was funny then but I don't think in a party environment it would have gotten any better like I don't think I could have sat through it like I'm gonna get out of here this sucks <laughs> uh dumb shit Dumb shit, man. Uh, I didn't talk sports at all, did I? Oops. So let's get through one more thing before I talk a little bit about some sports stuff. Oh, I did forget. Um, last week I was talking about Matt Damon being in random roles in the mid two thousands. Um, I talked about him being in like kind of you know being in Stuck on You and being in Brothers Grimm. These movies didn't fit him, and I talked about like his like cameo and Jersey Girl. I don't know how in the fuck I forgot that he cameoed in Euro Trip. How in the world I forgot that? I have no idea. It is the only thing about that movie that is great. Is the cameo by Matt Damon at the beginning. If you've never seen Euro Trip, it's about like this guy, he's about to graduate high school and he's gonna go to Europe and uh his girlfriend decides to break up with him. And they're at the party at the you know, it's the it's the very beginning of the movie. Um They're at the party, you know, the seniors are all having their big blowout kegger or whatever. You know how you know how high school movies work with like I don't know you know how any movie works with high schoolers graduating they have this big massive kegger that's so unrealistic to actually how parties work <laughs> but uh there's a band there and Matt Damon's got like tattoos and he's got all these piercings and he sings a song called Scotty Doesn't Know which is all about um the main guy's girlfriend cheating on him with Matt Damon <laughs> I forget I don't know how I forgot about that cameo. I guess it was like they were shooting at the same time he was shooting a movie like in this, like in town and like uh I guess he was friends with the guys who made the movie so he's like yeah I'll, I'll be in it. And oh I forgot. I forgot I don't know how I forgot that. It cracked me up when I remembered it. Uh it's Good shit. Good shit, man. Yeah, like I said but Matt Damon's just I for some reason doesn't present himself as a guy who would do stuff like that. And he did throughout the mid, like the early mid two thousands. Then the other thing I want to talk about TV wise is that Henry Cavill is leaving the Witcher, which means after season three, I'm definitely not watching the Witcher because he's like the only thing about it. I kind of like is Henry Cavill. Like the rest of it is just mostly a mess. And he's the only thing kind of holding it together. I know there's rumors that, you know, he he's a I guess he's a massive nerd and he loves like gaming and he loves all that fun stuff. Um, comics, all that, and um, I guess he has not been, ha- like, I don't know, this, this is what I've heard, I don't know a fucking thing, I'm just some random fucking dude, he didn't like, He does, he's not a big fan of where the show has been, like, he hasn't liked what they've done, he feels like they're kind of, basically playing in somebody else's sandbox, and doing whatever they wanted, not, a, you know, whatever, so I think he's like, you know what, fuck this, I'll just go back to being Superman, and is dropping out, and bringing in, like, one of the Hemsworth guys to be fucking Geralt. I'm like, oh, Jesus, this is, Ugh. gross. <laughs> like I said, I'll probably watch it, because I like Henry Gabble a lot. I have not been a fan of the first two seasons, really, at all. Like, every time I rewatch them, they just get so much worse and more infuriating. Um, but, yeah, it's just, that sucks. That sucks. But let's jump into some sports talk real quick, because I forgot to do it at the beginning of the episode. And then I don't think I get into the three songs of the week. I don't think I have a whole lot to talk about except I'm always gonna talk about some therapy stuff. Um yeah, sports talk. Liverpool play tomorrow. They beat Napoli this week. Just the story of the season so far has been inconsistency. Like we'll have we'll have these moments where we're like, Oh shit, we're getting out of it. We're you know, got a big win or, you know, oh we came back late or we had this massive blowout win. Now we're gonna get our season started and then fucking lose to Leeds, lose the knot in the Forest. You know, it's been very frustrating. Um, beat Man City <laughs> still lose the goddamn Leeds. Oh shit. Lose the the Forest. Oh my god. Rough um Yeah, we beat Napoli, who's like one of the he's been one of the best sides in the entirety of Europe this year, and beat him 2 0. But we play tomorrow. played in Spurs. It's just the type of game that Spurs is going to get a fucking win from. Um, I have no faith in it. I don't know what's going on. And Preston won again today. 2-1. Or no, they didn't win today. It was Friday. Uh, Up to sixth. In the playoff positions, boys. Here we go. Preston North End. Um, Portsmouth won as well. 3-1. They pushed themselves in, I think, their fourth place. It's going to be tough to get to fucking... Automatic promotion. They've dropped too many points already. you don't know, got a long way to go. Um, Tranmere lost in the FA Cup. Hibernian lost to Aberdeen, which is usually, it's like, you know, it's Celtic Rangers, and then there's a huge drop off and it's like Aberdeen, and Hibernian's like usually slightly below that, if I'm thinking of the hierarchy correctly. But, you know, I don't know. I don't have a whole lot to say this week about some sports. I know the fucking World Series is going on, and I just could not give a shit less. Uh, it's going to be some good ammo for fucking recreation for the game when I get around to writing it. Into sports talk. What we do, like, two minutes? <laughs> <laughs> oh, what was I going to talk about from? Oh, I'm going to talk a little bit more. I've talked about this before, but I, I've addressed it again with my therapist. A couple weeks ago about the inability to take compliments. I don't know if anybody else has this issue or if it's just me being absolutely crazy. Um, I have this unbelievable inability to take compliments or to... I So, a good thing was, like, uh, one of my uh, co-workers sent me a nice message about, you know, how much they're happy that they, you know, blah, 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 work together. And all I sent back was, shut up, because I hated reading it. It cringed me out. I fucking hate reading it, hate hearing it like in the middle of like talking to my therapist she gives me some praise and she said you she could visibly see me getting uncomfortable even it's like so that's what we're trying to work on is me having the ability to take a compliment without having to get in an awkward state or start flipping my like flipping out I'm like oh I got to go to the opposite side of the room cuz I cannot be in for this um I don't know where it comes from that's the one thing we try to talk about maybe dissecting where it comes from and cannot figure it out I don't know if it comes from um, not believing it, like you know, like, oh yeah, this is all false shit, like is a joke on me or something, or whether it comes from not believing I'm worth it, which could be something I could definitely see with like the selfing uh, the self esteem issues I've had over the years and stuff like that that I don't feel like I'm worth, having people praise me for things or give me good compliments or reviews. I don't like it, I still hate it, but you know i I could definitely see that being a part of it. I just don't think it's all of it, though. I don't know where it comes... I I think I've always felt that. I don't think I've always, you know... It's weird. I remember playing baseball when I was, like, 14. We got... We got beat in a tournament. An all-star tournament. Excuse me. And I just remember... I was definitely the best player on that team. No big fucking deal. (laughs) Um... No, I just remember... uh, We were down, and I was on, like, second, and I... I just made myself such a fucking menace on the base pass, like, you know, just getting the pitcher to focus on me, even though there's, like, two fucking outs, and they're up like four, I'm just, like, playing off the pitcher's low IQ, and, like, him, like, kind of focusing on me, it's like, dude, just get the guy out at the fucking home plate, game's over, if I score, you're still up three runs, I don't know, I was making myself a menace, and, like, this guy stopped, random guy, completely random guy, I have no idea who the fuck he was, like, never saw him again, never seen him before, like, uh, yeah, but he came up, to me after the game, I'm like some fourteen year old kid. Maybe was a fucking creep. Who knows? I don't think he was. He just like shook my hand and said, "You know, he absolutely like loved watching me like just run the bases." I was like, "That's fucking weird." So even like even younger, I guess I had the issues of taking that. Which I guess that that is kind of a weird example of things. Yeah, but he's like, "Yeah, it's like I, it's like I absolutely loved how you ran the bases out there." I'm like, "Cool, <laughs> we lost, so it doesn't fucking matter." Uh, I think we were down like six 0 in the last inning and then Blues and six five. So heartbreaking. <laughs> I remember that tournament I threw a kid out at home from center field, like by the fence in Ironton. I fucking rifled one. Gun deemed, son. Oh, baseball. Baseball. Yeah, so I yeah, I'm not sure where this whole lack of abilities to take compliments comes from. Like I said, it it just I just don't feel like I should be there when you're saying it, I don't know whether it's like this whole, like an idea of whether I'm like seeking, like almost like when I'm there, whether it feels like I'm trying to seek the compliment or seeking you to also reinforce, like say, say somebody come, like me and you are hanging out, and somebody else comes and is like, oh, Brandon did this for me, he's the blah blah blah, and if I sit there for it, it's almost like I'm waiting for you to tell me that too, which I don't give a shit, if you ever tell me stuff like that, because I I don't know, I can, I feel like I communicate decently non-verbally, so I don't have to sit there and tell you absolutely everything I have to feel, like I was talking about with Midnight Mass earlier, you don't have to tell me fucking everything, you don't have to hold my hand through all the emotions, like, you know, sometimes things are left unsaid and it's understood, so, so I don't need you to tell me shit, but I feel like if I sit there through it, I almost, you almost have to address it have to tell me it, too, I don't know, I don't get it, it's that whole, I talked about it on the podcast with Lauren. I've talked about it here. I had the whole left side, right side brain, or not, that's not exactly the actual term, but I, that's how I kind of consider it. I had the half and half brain where, you know, one half's like, hey, everything's cool, and the other half's like, nope, burn it the fuck down. We're taking this shit out tonight, bro. <laughs> yes, I don't know. I've been I've been trying to work on that, being more present when people are there to give me either praise or compliments. <sighs> Still not fun. Still don't like it a lot. I still don't like it at all. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe it's going to be like a... (laughs) What's the... It's Always Sunny, the intervention they give Frank where they just want to berate him like a roast almost. (laughs) It's like a reverse roast where I have to sit there and let you guys give me compliments. (laughs) Oh, shit. That'd be a fun, fun episode. Uh, Episodes, man. You know, me and Lauren talked about the uh pu- the uh the pub play a little bit, and I forgot all about Papa Gertz. I forgot about all that fun stuff. We had so much little like goofy things written out, like the whole thing was supposed to be a serious play about like a murderer, a noir type, where you know they got the down on the luck PI, uh, alcoholic PI or whatever, um, gets in and over his head, and there's a dame and all this fun stuff. I remember working on that, but it was Booker G. Robinson was the name, because we had. We had little jokes planted throughout to make people laugh, obviously, because that's what you do with jokes, you make people laugh. Good explanation there, Brandon. Um, and Booker, because I'm starting to remember, more I think about it, the more I can remember about it. Um, the Jasper character was the person that is murdered. The Abner character that Lauren mentioned was the P.I.'s partner. And there's a point where Abner tells, like, the police chief, or tells somebody important, like, about Booker, to throw the book, hey, hey, chief, throw the book at him, and, oh, I think, I can't remember which one of us came up with that, but we cracked up for a long time with that stupid fucking pun, come on, chief, throw the book at him, (laughs) oh, we had so much stupid shit planned, we're gonna have, like, the light shut off, comes back on, and somebody's been shot, um, I can't remember the the dame's name. I think it was like Carlita. I think that was the name. Lita, maybe it was Car Carlita. Maybe it was something else. I don't know. Maybe it was just Carmen. I can't remember anymore. Yeah, then we had old Papa Gertz. I think he was a crime boss. Papa fucking Gertz. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. And then uh, my friend Devin texted me. Uh, she gave me like one of them. She used to be the stenographer of the pub. And by that... Basically, me and Aaron would yell at her to write stuff down. We would just go up and say, write this down. And then she would have to write it down. That was the that was the job qualification she had. She never waited on table. She just sat there while me and Aaron had stupid brainstorming sessions and said, write this down. and had never followed through with any of it. Um, but she took a lot of the stuff she had written down over the years and put them in like a little composition book and put write this down on the front of it and gave it to me for Christmas. And it was oh, it was wonderful. There's so much of it. There's no context and I have no idea what any of it means. It's a fucking enigma. <laughs> but there is one me and Aaron wanted to write a pub play about um it was going to be really over the top goofy, almost like it's always sunny episode where they're exploiting something. But we find <laughs> this is, I don't know if how many people remember this. Mark Wahlberg used to be an underwear model. And there's an there's a picture of Mark Wahlberg out there with a pit bull or a big dog ripping off his underwear. Why he holds his junk, and oh, it's fucking great! It's so great, Marky Mark man. But then, uh, the episode is all—or not the episode. The episode, kind of how it was working. The whole pub play was based around the idea that my character, Aaron's character, finds this pair of underwear in his attic, and there's teeth marks on it. So we're dead set that it's the same pair of underwear Marky Mark wore in that ad. <laughs> And then we just had this incredibly over-the-top hijinks that, like, pub play planned out with, like, them, try- like, us trying to exploit, like, we have them, like, on show at the pub or something like that of this pair of whitey tidy. just, oh, I have no idea. I remember the premise. I don't remember a whole bunch of the hijinks, but I know we had a whole bunch of crazy shit planned for it. And I have to find that book. It's around here. So it's in it's in the music room somewhere. I just can't remember if I put it in the cabinet over there, if it's still on top of the manual. I think it's on top of the manual, But, oh, it was so much fun. When she gave me that remnant, I'm like, oh, shit, I forgot all about this. I think I let Aaron read it one time. He fucking loved it. Good times. Good times. Great times. Wonderful times. Oh. I skipped over a big part of the sports talk. So a big part of the sports talk is that Kyrie Irving's a piece of shit. <laughs> I know he had to change gears there. Man, this fucking insanity, like, started by the douchebag fucking yay or whatever the fuck you have to call him now, the guy didn't used to be known as Kanye West. Like, I think I legally have to say that. You know how fucking stupid that is? Uh, but whatever. Um, with, like, the anti-Semitism, it's just... It's 20-fucking-23, 20 almost. Like, seriously. And we're still dealing with this stupid shit. Like, I just can't fuck it. I just, I don't even know how to deal with it. And something I noticed, like, I don't give a shit about the NBA at all, but I'm definitely don't give a shit anymore because none of the fucking players have came out and really said fucking a goddamn word against Kyrie, which is a fucking joke. A absolute fucking joke. Like, they've liked some tweets, but they haven't said a fucking word themselves. That's why I was like really happy to see it was like Reggie Miller, Charles Barkley, and Shaq just fucking kind of tearing to him, um, and also tearing to the players for not saying a fucking word, not standing up. Like Reggie Miller pointed out, was like you know when Donald Sterling said racist bullshit, we forced like the players got together and forced him out of his job. You know, forced him to sell his own team. You know, my thought was make him keep the team. Nobody wants to fucking play for him. He loses a whole bunch of fucking money in the end, and then sells it for fucking nickels. That was my idea, but you know, you know they made him out of the team. It works either way. Uh, then the Suns guy I, I don't even know what the Suns owner did but I know he did some stupid shit they forced him out but then Kyrie says a whole, like tweets out some anti-Semitic bullshit and they don't say a fucking word stay quiet you know one of their own I guess some bullshit like that you know wrong is wrong man doesn't matter that's how I've always tried to treat so many things you know right or wrong you know I don't care who you are if you're right you're right if you're you know I don't care if you're my best friend if you're wrong you're fucking wrong I don't give a shit so, I don't know, man. Like, definitely don't give a shit about the NBA before, and definitely not going to anymore if not going to do anything. Like, you know, I know they suspended him, the league finally did, or the, the Nets finally did. And that was the weirdest thing, the f- only person who had said shit was his fucking GM or his owner, or I can't even remember who it was, it was the only one who said anything. And I was like, why is everybody not just, pound, like, just beating this guy while he's down? He needs to understand he's a fucking idiot. One, he's always been a fucking idiot. Fucking flat ass flat ass flat earth believing dumbass motherfucker. Um yeah, it's just like I don't know. You know, and I know Shaq referred to him as an idiot. Charles Barkley just is like, I don't understand why he's not suspended. Like, you know, Adam like Adam Silver, who is the um commissioner of the NBA is a Jewish man. And it's like you're not gonna like and Charles like you that guy doesn't get to take $40 million of your money and then say whatever the fuck he wants about you? It's like, no, you you need to suspend him yesterday. And I'm like, fuck yeah. I'm like, you know, I don't know. Hopefully he never plays another fucking game. Hopefully he gets in a car accident and dies. Because I, no, I have no qualms of saying that about anybody who's anti-Semitic or racist. If you have any of those beliefs, I don't fucking want you around. I don't like you. It's that simple. If you want to spout off bullshit like that, some racism or anti-Semitism or anything like that, go fuck yourself. I don't fucking need you. Um you know? Anti you know Yeah, anti racism, I guess is you know. I'm not taking a big fucking stand here. I'm just being a decent human here. It's you know, I'm not being fucking goddamn brave. I'm just being fucking logical. People are all different, people are all the same. You know? We're all different all the same at the same time. I don't think I said that right at all. <laughs> Whatever. But the same it's like just because somebody uh, whatever, man. I don't fucking understand it. It's so goddamn stupid. And it's all about sensationalism, anyway. You know. I don't know. I watched a cool video about John Stewart, and I think what formed a lot of my worldview was John Stewart on the Tonight and the Daily Show, because he was so always quick to point out the hypocrisy of it all and the ses- sensationalism of media that like. It used to be, like, I watched the news. Like, oh, wow, this guy's smart. He watches the news. Now it's like, if you watch the news, you're a fucking idiot. You really aren't. You're just dumbing yourself down. Because it's all sensationalism. Like, uh, I know he said it on... I can't remember what show. I think it was on CNBC. Stewart said, like, 24-hour news cycle was built for 9-11. So when 9-11's not happening, you guys just take mundane stories and turn them and sensationalize. And make them the end of the fucking world when they're nothing. I mean... It was like when Obama wore a goddamn tan suit. And Fox News ran stories for like three days about how he just destroyed the president, the office of the president, the respect of the president by wearing a goddamn tan suit. What the fuck are we talking about? It's even the same, like, you know, like when fucking Trump went to Puerto Rico and was shooting the, like, uh, toilet paper rolls like basketballs. Yeah, he looked like a doofus but was was it the worst thing that's ever fucking happened in the history of the world? No, it wasn't. It's just some goofy rich guy just being fucking stupidly goofy because he's a fucking dipshit. I mean, you know, it wasn't something we need to run a goddamn news story about for fucking 24 goddamn hours. You know, that's I don't know. It's just don't believe the, the, the don't give a shit about the news. Don't watch the news. Watch the news like once every 2 weeks just to make sure like you kind of have an idea of like, oh, you know, what was it? Bill Burr says, like, you know, yeah, I'd watch it every week. It's like, do I need to wear a mask or do I not need to wear a mask? And it's like, yeah, watch it once a week and then move on with your life. Yeah, do that. Just find, you know, once a week. Check out the news. See what's happening. Fucking Jesus Christ, man. Because they're not giving you anything that's worth a shit. They're just, you know, they're taking mundane things, turning, like, sensationalizing them so you continuously watch so they make more money. Like, It's basic. And this isn't, like, some anti-Fox News thing, which, you know, fuck Fox News. But at the same time, fuck CNN. I don't give a shit about them. You know? They're all the same. <laughs> like, you know? Ugh. I don't fucking know. Where have I gotten into tonight, guys? I have gotten off the rails here, I think. So, you know, fuck news stations. Fuck anti-Semites. Fuck racists. Fuck. You know? Yeah, if, like I said, if you have... Not the news stage, but yeah, the anti-Semite and the racism stuff. If you have any of those beliefs in your heart, go fuck yourself. I don't fucking want you. Don't need you. Don't want to be around you. Um, and watch Midnight Mass. <laughs> 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 oh, yeah. <laughs> there we go. Find forgiveness in Midnight Mass. Oh shit! Let's get into the songs of the week, ladies and gentlemen. We got three wonderful songs. Oh, what one song? I need to find out the year it came out. Um, I got another hold steady song. That's why I said I was gonna talk about them here in a little bit. Oh, wrong place. Here we go. This first song is from the band Bush. From when did this record come out? It's like their biggest song, but it it was on uh, Midnight Club it's not 2014 when did that fucking record come out originally was it 96 16 stone 94 I always forget Bush's like kind of still early 90s uh, this is Glycerin. I always love the song. Such a simple song. It's just like, you know, kind of a distorted guitar. He eventually hits it in the overdrive. Some strings in the background. There's some wonderful little lyrics in here and lines. It's just, I don't know. I fucking love this song a lot. It's all Sixteen Stone, which was 1994. Tenth song on that album. Um, like I said, very simple song. Like it was in Midnight Club. Um, it's probably their biggest song. But whatever. Whatever. Anyway, this is Glycerin by Bush. Excellent song. Like I said, a very kind of simple. Like I said, it's all guitar driven. All these like kind of power chords and like a, you know the power chords kind of just in like a not an overdrive state there just like more of like a distorted state then it kind of hits that overdrive for like a little bit of the bridge and then like lyrically I always like the op- the, the opening line's fucking great you know it must be your skin I'm sinking in it must be for real because now I can feel kind of like you know that love between two people kind of like I'm not sure Someone has some like it's not a perfect relationship <laughs> Is being talked about here. But I always love that. It must be your skin I'm sinking in. And, like, you know, I bet a whole bunch of ladies seeing a guy like Gavin Rossdale say that and wishing it was about them, because, like, that's the one thing with Gavin Rossdale. Like, when you see the guy, you're like, of of course that guy's named Gavin Rossdale. Look at him. He's a fucking god. (laughs) He's a good-looking dude. Good for him. was with Gwen Stefani forever, then she broke up with him to get with uh, Doofus, the country Doofus, whatever his fucking name is. Um the guy who hangs out with Adam Levine, or Levine, Levine, I don't know, he's fucking lame too. got all of his tattoos at one time. Um, He says what it looks like. But the fucking uh, line that opens up um, the second verse, the, um, I'm never alone, I'm alone all the time. That's a line I identify with a lot. I'm not sure, like, I'm probably taking it a little bit differently than the song is contextualizing it with. Um uh yeah somebody who dealt with his own shit by himself for a long time like definitely have that feeling a lot of you know you're i you know i'd be kind of surrounded by friends, or surrounded by people all the time, but I was like, you know, I'm still kind of in my own despairs and my own issues, so I'm like, you know, really, I'm, yeah, even though I have all these people around me, I'm not truly alone, but really, because of my own issues and then abilities to deal with things, I was alone all the time, because, you know, I could never let anybody in, I could only let people in so far then put up a goddamn wall and not let them in any further, or, you know, I don't know. Yeah, but I, I fucking love that line, never alone, but I'm alone all the time. It's, I think that it, that's been used in multiple songs for it. I like that whole, like, duality of that. Like, those those type of lines. You know, I'm never alone. I'm alone all the time. Or, you know, if I, I don't know. Is it duality there? Who fucking knows. Great song by Bush. Like I said, that's off 16 Stone from 1994. I always forget they were around that long. Um, Good song. All right. Now, the next song of the evening is a After Hours version. Burp again. Jesus, Brandon. Come on. Oh, shit. Now I forgot. I'm forgetting the name of the song. Just look up the artist, Brandon. Look up the artist, Brandon. It is Corey Brandon, from Arkansas. Great guy. Talked to that guy before. Hung out with him outside of... uh, uh, Roomba Cafe, a couple years back, it was a good time, good conversation, talked about her dad's, talked about Shady Jobs, I think I talked about it on the podcast before, he worked at a bad Mexican, or he worked at a Mexican restaurant, End up hating the cheese, I worked at Red Lobster, End up hating everything about my life. <laughs> I drove by Red Lobster the other day and just could not help but just give it the goddamn finger. <laughs> this is Survivor Blues. It's the After Hours version. I like the album version, like the little rocked up version, but I like like the subtlety, like the kind of more subdued sound on just like just guitar, like the kind of subtle drums and stuff like that in the background. Kind of really brings out how great of a songwriter Corey is, especially on this song. This is probably his best written song, in my opinion. I think he's always um, described it as his Born to Run. Um, except that the two characters in this song know that running will do them no good because their baggage is way too heavy and they'll never outrun the shit that's in their past. And I like that whole fucking notion and vibe. (laughs) Like that's, uh, I I think it's a really cool place to write a song from and like, yo, it's got so many great lines. We'll listen to the whole fucking thing and I'll go over some of the best lines in this goddamn song because there's a lot of them. This is Survivor Blues by Corey Brandon off of Mutt 2012. A great perspective song. Like, oh, There's so many fun... I might have to go line by line on this song. It's one of my absolute favorite songs of all time. Uh, probably a top 12-er. I don't know. I, I like how I always say top something. And I always just throw out a random-ass number. I think I said last week that The Flies was a top 20. Uh, Survivor Blues by Corey Brandon is a top 12 song of all time for me. Like, I fucking love this song a lot, man. It's just brilliance all the way through. Like... Wondered once about her luck and put out a match with a tear. Just kind of setting, getting the setting set up. You know exactly who he's talking about. Bored to death and born to look. You, you run the way the hell away from here, man. That's fucking good shit. Like I said, he he, he sets the tone. He plays the wildest shows and he can sing so sweet. You know, he's got a very, very smoky voice. By Mutt, he had a very smoky voice, especially when he did, like, Survivor Blues. So it's definitely one he smoked a few cigarettes before he went and recorded this one. (laughs) Um, Let's see. I mean, like, struggled to read his knuckle tattoos beneath the ring and the scar. Left said love, and the right said true. Please say you got a car. (laughs) Yeah, man. Like I said, it's just two people in, uh, probably the wrong place, but at the right time for, like, you know, two people to think they could still outrun their issues, outrun their pain, outrun their miseries, um, but really kind of know in the back of their head is, you know, no matter what they do, it's still gonna kind of be there. Um, people definitely carrying baggage along the way, but I love the, the, the car stuff, you know, it's very Springsteen-y, talking about the car, but like I said, definitely having a different twist than what Springsteen had, the, you know, the car represents hope with Springsteen, the car represents, a uh, way out, you know, more of a, just a, uh, almost like a, let's see, not like a way out. It would be more of just kind of a a diversion. Maybe the car represents like a diversion or it represents um, a last chance, maybe. Nah, it's a little too hopeful for this song. Let's see, it represents definitely almost a stalling. That's what it is, stalling on your issues and like, you know, maybe we can just kind of outrun them and forget about them, but, you know, you're just stalling, you never deal with them. But, you know, uh, talk about the car it's parked out back it's pointed out of state it's a recent acquisition we should probably ditch the plates yeah these guys these like I said these not great people and it won't get me far enough to ever lose track but yeah it's plenty car enough for never coming back <laughs> I fucking love that line yeah like I said that's why I said that I stolen yeah he's never gonna lose track in that car but yeah he's definitely never coming back to this place that's uh, taking everything away from him yeah make you stronger first you gotta survive and then, uh, you know, he's got all of her memories and that yellow duffel. The yellow duffel in the seat back yonder. Bunch of pretty junk I bought her. And it's yours if you want because it's, it's either you or the flames. To me, it's the same. It's like, you know, it's, it's either being burned or you can take it because, you know, I'm done with it. Yeah. No thanks, man. My baggage is packed. The name of my ankle and the knife in my back. Corey could write some. Corey writes some great fucking stuff. He has a new song on his n- latest record, which came out earlier this year, uh, called uh, uh, "Pocket of God," which is a really cool song. It's written from like a perspective of a pimp and stuff like that. And kind, of, I think he kind of follow, like I know. I'd have to re-listen to it just to really dig into those lyrics. But you know, just being around her felt like I picked a pocket of God. That's a pretty cool fucking line. But yeah, talk about fire blues, Brandon. Come on, you know. I know a place on the way out of town it's as good as burned down. Like I said, you man, running's not gonna do no good, but it's gonna feel good. Call that a scar, a bruise, a tear, pillow marks, souvenirs. Fucking fantastic song from Corey Brandon. Fantastic. Off Mutt, twenty twelve. It's the it's the breast album. <laughs> uh, if you see the uh, album cover, you understand what I mean by the breast cover. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I fucking love Survivor Blues so damn much. Uh, one of the truly great songs in American songwriting for me. Um, yeah, that was like yeah, cause he's been around since like 2002. I think that's the hell you say it was 2002. Um, then he had 12 songs, 2006. Then Mutt came out 2012. I think there was like some issues with the um his label, which always sucks that a guy's career gets stalled because of fucking label, um. But I'm trying to think. Corey Brandon, I uh, probably like eighteen, nineteen when I started to listen to him, just because uh, he probably came on like Pandora or something like that. Listening to Lucero, and then uh, he's referenced in "Tears Don't Matter Much." Tears Don't Matter Much by Lucero, which is one of my favorite Lucero songs. Uh, you know, that's where you know he can play the wildest show, but he can sing so sweet, and I still sing along. Ha, yeah. Oh, what a great fucking song. Oh, so the last song of the night is by the Hold Motherfucking Steady. Um, it's off their first record. It is not Stay Positive, which was the opener of the night. It is the third song, which, if you understand some of the references, is a disgusting song. It is a very disgusting song. <laughs> I'll explain some of the references. I hope not to gross you out. Um, it's called Barfruit Blues, right? Nope, wrong record, Brandon. Wrong record. Uh, there we go. Yeah, Bar Fruit Blues, third record. It's got a really great driving bass, uh, and you got some fun guitar work. It's, um, if you listen to it with left and right, it's like kind of like spinning in your head. It's really cool. Um, it was off Almost Kill Me 2004, the first record. Like I said, song number three, Bar Fruit Blues. Um, I found a cool thing. I, was, I saw a random post from the band about... They post a lot of their shows on Bandcamp, or, yeah, Bandcamp, and I found that... They had the Toronto show the first night. They had the first night of the Toronto show up. So I bought it for like, you know, it's pay what you want. So I gave my like five bucks. I got the live show. And now I get to listen to a show I went to, which is, I've never had that before, I guess. Where I had the actual recording of a show, like a, a proper recording, you know. Like the Desert Lights shows were recorded with video. And we posted like the Facebook or we posted uh, YouTube or something. I can't remember anymore. I know it's definitely posted to YouTube. And I think it's on Facebook. I can't remember. but YouTube, I was supposed to break them out into individual songs, and I just got lazy and forgot to do it. <laughs> I don't even know if I still have the recordings. I'd have to, like, figure out how to do it. I think I'd have to pull it from um, YouTube and then break it down that way. I think that's all I'd have to do. I don't know. What am I talking about? Anyway, this is Barfoot Blues. I have, it, it, Like I said, it's also really neat. I have the fucking uh, a show that I went to to see live in another country. In another country, I have that show. I mean, I know Canada's not that far. It's like, you know, I said it's quicker to get to fucking Toronto than it is to get to Nashville from where I live. (laughs) So, I don't know. Whatever. It's a different country still. It means something, even though they didn't stamp my goddamn passport. Uh, Anyway, let's get into Barfoot Blues. I love the fucking base work on this. And I said, I'll talk about some of the goddamn references that Craig's making. And they're, they're fucking beautiful. I think this, if I'm thinking correctly, we'll get one reference. This is the first mention of Hallelujah uh, the, the power, the, the fucking, um, the, the, the heroine of the Hold Steady Universe, you know, Holly, or full name Hallelujah, yeah, but this is Barfruit Blues, let's get into it, Brandon. What a fucking jam, I love that bass, man, it's just fucking... Heavy. I always love when they usually go into most bridges. They hit. They hit like this big soaring. Everybody just kind of hits it. It kind of soars into the fucking you know outro there. Um, so in the first verse. So basically, there's a chick named Mary. She's got a bloody nose. She's been sniffing margarita mix. Um, she looks at her lower lip and she kisses the hallelujah Chick. So she kisses Holly. Came off kind of spicy and she tasted like those pickle chips. <laughs> She wasn't a good dancer. And then uh, here's where it, I, for me, it's so damn gross, but so wonderful. If you don't know, hippie chicks, if they don't have great hygiene, are referred to as crunchy. Uh, because, you know, obviously, you know, not having great hygiene, you never know. Crust, whatever you want to call it. Crunchy. So the next line is, she came off kind of crunchy, but she went down like a chicken strip. Makes you want to take a goddamn shower. It's so fucking great. <laughs> Dripping wet with the special sauce. She had a confident smile and a nervous cough, and we got off. <laughs> Craig is on a different level sometimes, man. Like, just reading that, you know, if you're not getting understanding or reference there, like, it just is, it's kind of an oddity talking about food. And then, like, you get the crunchy fucking reference and you realize, oh, it's sex with a, kind of an unhygienic woman. <laughs> <laughs> not from the dude's perspective. No, it might be from the dude's perspective. I never actually knew if this song was from the dude or from Hallelujah's point of view. Or that's no, not from Hallelujah's point of view. Or the she... I don't know. Who cares? Oh, uh, man. But there's still some other great lines. Like I said, that fucking driving bass. Every time they kick up, you know, went down like with the tall boy cans, woke up in a cargo van. When they start going into that, or everything, they kind of driving. It's like the pace is kind of quickening. You know, went down with the girls going wild and woke up in the middle man. Went down with like 14 bucks and woke up with like 16 grand. Don't we all fucking wish? Went down with some crust punk junk and woke up with a straight edge band. <laughs> I fucking love Craig. Ee man, outside of Bruce, he's probably my favorite writer in American music. I fucking love so much of everything Craig does. A lot of the stuff with Lifter Puller. I need to listen to Lifter Puller more. There's only a couple records I listen to, and I fucking love them. I need to listen to all their stuff. Uh. Hold Steady, for me, of this century, is, like, the best band. And then, um, his solo stuff's wonderful. I was listening to the newest one, the Legacy of Rentals, which is so great. I wish you would do a little bit more spoken word. I fucking love, um, uh, Messing with the Settings and God in Chicago. Just such great songs. I wish you kind of do a whole record based on, like, kind of more those just straight-up stories, more set to, like, spoken word than music, and, like, you know, but even when he does regular songs, they're fucking great. Like, they're just so good. I really wish I could... There was a couple years ago, he's playing All My Birthday here in Columbus. i had just seen him in Nashville like the week before for the first time. And then they were in Columbus. Excuse me. And um, it was my birthday. But I ended up getting stuck at work till like 10.30. And I couldn't fucking go. Sad. Sad, 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 sad. Anyway, I also love the line. Halfway through the outro, half the crowd is calling out for Born to Run. The other half is calling out for Born to Lose. Baby, we were born to choose. <laughs> I fucking love it. I love The Hold Steady so goddamn much. One of my f- absolute favorite fucking bands ever. Um, almost killed me. Such a great record. All oh, the fucking records are great. Even the ones some people don't like as much, or especially when it came out, you know, like Heaven is Whenever. Um... Teeth Dreams, those are not as great as their best stuff. Man, they're still really fucking good. Heaven was whenever's great shit. They got the Weekenders on there for the love of God. Hurricane Jay, man. Whatever. Um, there's actually one more thing I did need to talk about sports-wise that uh, didn't make me happy. I hate the fact that we're on the end a little bit on a down note. The Boston Bruins have been playing outstanding fucking hockey to start the goddamn year. It's been great. Um, but then they... F- pissed me goddamn off. They signed that Mitchell Miller kid, the kid who bullied the, um, um, what are they, what is it, um, I guess mentally challenged uh, African-American kid in school, like, when they were like 14, like, put a goddamn push pop in a urinal and made the kid eat it and then laughed about it because they didn't tell him where it was from. Uh, it's like a piece of shit kid. They fucking signed him. Like, I was glad to see none of the players seemed to be very happy with this fucking signing um, like, oh, well, he's doing the work, I'm like, yeah, because he realized his goddamn meal ticket is gone, he wouldn't give two shits if that never came out, it'd still be a fucking piece of shit, like, you know, like, the whole reason he cares about, you know, making amends with this kid, making amends with, like, you know, the, um, that, that community and stuff like that is because his career was gonna be gone, that's the whole reason he gives a shit, like, that's the problem with a lot of the stuff is that, you know, people only give a shit because it's gonna cost them money, You know, his whole career is going away because of stupid shit he did. Like, and I'm, you know, I had friends who were shitty to people. Like, kind of bullyish in tone. They never did something like that. Ever. Ever. You know what I mean? That's, that's, uh, that's absurd evil right there. And, like, you know, there's also constant, like, I guess, calling the kid the N-word. And all that fun fucking stuff that white kids think they can get away with. And, like, I mean, I'm gonna say, you know, I'll I'll be 100% honest, you know. When I was 14, I thought I could say it too, so I'm not going to sit there and get on my, horse, my high horse and act like I never fucking said it. Of course I did. I mean, I grew up in goddamn 2004, and it's like, ugh, you know what I mean? Don't say it anymore. Definitely don't. You know? Like, I once was given a permission in context, and even then, I didn't really want to say it. And, uh, it's, yeah, whatever. I think we're getting a little off topic, top. But, yeah, the same time. I don't know. Um, stupid. Like I said, at the same time, you know, he was fourteen, but he's never outright apologized about the whole thing. He he always mentions how it was such a long time ago and it's like it's not the fucking point, dude. Fourteen or forty, that's fucked up. It doesn't matter if you're fucking young. You know what I mean? Like that's a different type of evil in that type of fucking behavior, man. So I'm not happy about it at all. Like it kind of really dampens the great start the Bruins have had to the year. Uh, The kid's not going to be in the fucking NHL, so thank God um, for a while. Hopefully he never fucking makes it. Hopefully he never makes it. I hope somebody on another team, a nice enforcer, um, an AHL, like, lifer, decides, you know what? I'm going to retire after the game tonight, so I'm going to beat the shit out of this kid. And that's what they do. (laughs) I guess I have no fucking time for that type of fucking behavior anymore, man. If you want to act like that, fuck off. Um, Whatever. Anyway, listen to the whole steady. <laughs> listen to Corey Brandon. Listen to Bush. Um, listen to the good stuff, you know? Reinforce yourself with positivity. Stay positive. Get better, man. Um that should be it for my it for me tonight. Um like what you've heard, spread the good word. Like, share, subscribe, support, do all the fun stuff. Um Stitcher, Amazon, Radio Public, Google, Apple, Spotify, Anchor, Anchor, the sponsor of the episode, so thank you. Um is there anything else? I guess I'll be back next Sunday with five more songs. Uh not five, three more songs. I had a Springsteen song of the week almost picked out. I just still haven't been listening to Bruce as much lately. I said just been listening so much other stuff, and work, and also I'm still trying to get used to not having the spring, like, having the spring thing on the week back on Sundays, I'm still getting used to doing that again Um yeah, other than that I, I guess I've, I've talked some crazy shit tonight Um I once again took the very, very, very brave stand of saying I don't like racists or anti-Semites or any of those people, good job Brandon praise myself, I'm not comfortable with it <laughs> Wrapping it all up together. Um, yeah, talk some good stuff. If you have any questions for me, let me know. If you have answers for me, let me know. If you want to be on the show, let me know. Um, Yeah, I don't know if I have anything else, really, do I? Yeah, so I guess if you've tuned in, thanks again. I will see you next week. Peace out, Girl Scout. Uh, Stay positive, get better. Thanks for listening, and thanks for understanding.